I never left. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use an example I've been using a lot lately. I had a feeling it was getting through to people, but maybe not. I don't know. I like to view this whole idea we're talking about in a ocean wave comparison. So let's say we're, at, we're all a bunch of waves at a meeting to sort of talk about the ocean. Yep. So we're all sitting here thinking we're a wave. And that wave obviously is the ocean, but not to itself. To itself, it's a wave. It's distinct from the ocean. And it may be suffering things like dryness and all these things that are impossible, but they seem real to it as a wave. And they want to know the ocean. They want to have an experience of the ocean because they think that would help being a wave. Yeah? I'd be a better wave if I could just have some spiritual ocean experiences. Yeah? What we're trying to point out here is that maybe you're not the wave. Yeah? If you're not the wave, what happens if you entertain you're not the wave and it dawns on you? That's the ocean. There's nothing you need to do to get an experience of be the ocean. You already are the ocean. You have always been the ocean. You have just been mistaking yourself as a wave. Yeah? All we're doing, so we could sit here and describe the beauties of the ocean and the depth of the ocean, how incredible the ocean is. But for me, if you're hearing it as a wave, it's not going to do you any good. Because all you'll be thinking of, man, if I could only have an experience of the ocean, I'd be such a better wave. I'm just asking, maybe you're not a wave. If you're not a wave, that's the ocean. Yeah? And when, that's, when the wave realizes it's not a wave, and there's that realization that's the ocean, the, also the realization it's always been the ocean. There was never a wave. It was just an appearance, yes? And an appearance of ocean yeah? forming what we call a wave. But it doesn't become distinctly different than the ocean. So I would say we are that spirit, and that spirit is also appearing here as things. We've taken ourselves as a thing, and we've forgotten ourselves as spirit, yeah? And I believe that's what's causing all our troubles here. If you allow a little bit of that entertaining, I'm not that, I'm not whatever is arising, whatever is appearing in my head, whatever thinks is feeling and think is doing and think is having, I'm not that. That's the activity of being what you are because you're seeing. Yeah? That's what awareness does. It sees. It's aware of. You now become aware of what you used to think you were. Yeah? Instead of seeing from self, you'll see self. You'll see it. You'll see it being made up. You'll see it being constructed. You'll see it being reinforced by the narrative in the head. You'll see quite a lot about it. And all of it will be distilled into one realization. I'm not that. And that's the freedom from the bondage to self. It's a simple recognition of your own inherent nature. It's activated every moment. It's demonstrating itself in conscious contact. Every situation you're in has been preceded by consciousness. Without that, there wouldn't have been any recognition of any situation. Without, it's like here, we're in this room, and let's say someone turns out the lights, so it's dark now. 
What happens? Well, some problems arise because you can't see where you're going. So let's say you got to go to the bathroom and you're not familiar with this place. So you may have some trouble finding the bathroom because you can't see it. And maybe you'll start having a lot of worry about, I'm going to have an accident, you know, I can't find the bathroom. And then maybe some very smart person will say, hey, I have a map of a, where the bathroom is. I remember vaguely one time I saw it, and he tells you what to do to get to the bathroom. So you try to follow it. But while you're going to get to the bathroom, you run into a chair, and you hurt your, your knee. Then you bump into someone, and they get resentful. Hey, where are you going? I thought I was going to the bathroom. I'm sorry. All this stuff, all these problems arise, right, when the room gets dark. What do we do? What we usually do is we just accept the fact of the darkness, and then we buy knee pads. And then we keep buying maps of how to get to the bathroom or read books of what it was once like when you could see where you were going and this and that. And then we, we make a preemptive apology. I'm sorry if I bumped into you, but I can't see all this. Instead of just entertaining, where's the light? The light switch. Hit on the light switch. As soon as the light returns, all the problems diminish. They were based on the darkness. Even though they seem so real, their reality stems from the belief in the darkness. When the darkness is replaced with light, which all darkness is, is absence of light, when that light comes in, do you have the same problems as you had when it was dark? You can see the bathroom. You don't need to buy a map. Yeah? You're not going to bump into somebody. You, don't, you can put away the knee pads. You're not going to hit your knee against a chair. Why? Because you can see. Your life is now illuminated. Before, you, everything was based on hearsay. Everything was based on belief. Oh, I was told if I do this and do that and get this and get that, that I'll be happy. Yeah? It's just pure speculation. But when the light comes on, you can see. You know what you like and you don't like. Things become blue is blue and red is red. There's no interpretation. If you can't see red, all you can hear is descriptions of red. But when you see it, do you need a description? I saw it. I see red. You don't have to stop describing it to me, all right? I'm seeing it. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to read a description to it, but you're seeing now. It's just been captured by a form of looking called self-centeredness. It's the same seeing, but it's been interpreted as you looking. That's where it's hidden. Every moment you're looking is what you're looking for. Like St. Francis said, every moment, what, what, what you're looking for is what's looking. How could that be? I'm what's looking. I want to get away from me. The last thing I want to find is more Paul. Yeah? No, the seeing is what's looking. The mind has called the seeing you, and now it's you looking. That's what's blinding you to the seeing. You can't see it because you're looking for it. When you stop looking for it, maybe you'll have an experience of what's seeing. Yeah? But while you're busy looking for it, that's the way to be blind to what's seeing. It sounds funny, doesn't it? It would seem like if you looked for it, you'd be able to find it. But it's in the looking for it that keeps it lost to you. That's why in spirituality they call it the open secret. Why would they say that? How could a secret be a secret if it's open? Exactly. It's an open secret. They say the gateless gate. You're going to enter the gateless gate. Well, there's no entering a gateless gate because there's no gate. 
That's right. There's no act of entering. You're already in. I used to tell an old story in, a, in the workshops. Let's say there's, there's heaven's door, yes? Heaven's door, and then there's me, and I walk up, and I knock on heaven's door. And God answers it. God's, and I, God looks at me and goes, and I go, hey, can I come in? And God looks right at me and goes, Paul can't come in. So I'm quite disappointed. So I decided, well, I'm going to really practice. I'm going to get a good spiritual resume, and it'll have to take me. So I start meditating and get the clothes and the candles and do all this stuff. Pranam a lot, whatever. Namaste, everybody, all this stuff. On and on for years. All right, now I feel pretty, all right, I'm pretty good, yeah? I'm going to go. Now with some confidence. And this door swings open, and I go, can I come in? And I'm, I'm basically walking in, and he goes, Paul can't come in. So I stop suddenly in my tracks. Now I get pissed. So I say, fuck all this, and I start getting loaded, and fuck all, I care less. I throw away all the books and the candles and this and that. And then life washes me up on shore one day near the God's door, and when I'm getting up, there's something happens. There's, my mind opens up. I knock on the door. God answers it. He looks at me, and I go, can I come in? And he says, Paul can't come in, and I walk right in because I realized I wasn't Paul. God was not saying I can't come in ever. He was just stating a fact. Paul can't come into heaven. What you think you are can't enter heaven. So every time I was identified with Paul, that was my self-exile from heaven. Not God, not life, not the Buddha, none of this happening. It was my misidentification. As soon as I realized I wasn't that, when he said, Paul can't come in, I walked right in. That's exactly what it's like. I have a question. Yes. Uh, I guess the fourth step is to realize all the fantastic that you didn't go off in the right way before going back to the world that was possible for others. What about the eighth and ninth step? How, how would eight steps? Well, the eighth and ninth step, if your mind's in the mental realm a lot, it's in the past and future, yes? So when you do the amends, it's about clearing up the past so you can be free, you free some of your attention that's stuck there, especially with the things you're avoiding to deal with, yes? All your attention is in there, keeping that out of your mind, yeah? So when you make the amends and everything, immediately that interest and attention that was diverted into all that mental realm comes back here and now. And then you sense lighter, you feel lighter, don't you? You feel more available. Because what happened, what causes you to feel your life has been brought back into the moment. It's been relieved of that duty of all that security 